<laughs> that might be true story. <laughs> might as well be. Well, good evening, Dennis. Well, good evening, Eric. This is our first happy hour in the same time zone, I believe. Oh, wow. Good yes. event. Well, let's drink to that. Yes, let's do. Because that's something. My my drink is currently being prepared by the barkeep. Uh, but would that, would it, that be his honor? His honor, the barkeep. Yes. So yes. At any moment, that should arrive and... Yes. So I heard you played some golf today. How was, did, how was that? We had some fun. It was enjoyable. There were some good shots. There were some good putts. Every club did well at least once. Nice. Every club did not do well much more than once. But third trip back after the, my surgery, this is the first 18 on an unfamiliar course, which is not much of an excuse. But it was fun. But it was best ball. So right, right. So it's not much of a measure of. By best ball, you mean captain's choice, where you don't play, you don't play from your or scramble is the other right. term for it, where everyone hits and then you go from there. At some okay. point, one of the, your you or your partner pick up your ball and move it. Right, and, so the and better, play from where the best one the is. Better shot. Right, and even at that, I mean, can you imagine two of us, a hundred and oh, what I want to say, one sixty-eight out from the hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no, 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 no. Wait, it was just you and one other person. On my team, but anyway, long story short, we we both hit it in the in the creek that was right in front of us. Right, right, right. <laughs> and down into a creek, and then buried, and 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 then I he did it, and then I no I did it first, and then he did it, and then when I tried to hit it out of the creek, it went back in the creek in almost the same exact spot, and then he did it even worse spot, hmm. and I said just give him the hole. It's a yeah, you know, right. If it's a match play, yeah. Match play. And we conceded, you know, and they knew we were gonna. And I reached down, and in the water was a frog, a little tiny frog. There were a bunch of them, mm-hmm. a little tiny thing, about as big as uh, the two knuckles of your finger, that little. Mm-hmm. And I, I scooped one up in my hand, and I went over to my golf partner, and I said, Hey, is this your ball? Nice. And I handed him this frog, and it scared the living fuck out of me. <laughs> But it was a little tiny frog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're not expecting a living creature to and, appear in your hand. And he like shakes. He says, what the fuck was that? He said, it was a frog. And he said, a frog? And then he told the other guys, and they couldn't understand it because he was saying frog instead of frog. Right. And, and they said, and, the, you know, there were, 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 Brian, who had the frog in his hand for a moment, was the youngest of the crew. The other two players are both older than me, and I'm 66, mm-hmm. and they're in their 70s. So the hearing probably isn't the best. Frag, frag, frag. what's a frag? Did you say frog or fog? Frog (laughs) or fog? And Brian just kind of, it just repeats it the same exact way, (laughs) which everybody would do, and they'd say frog. Like he's not going to change the way he says it. He could spell it, which he he didn't do five times. He says frog, frog, frog. (laughs) And I said, wait a minute. And I interrupted, and I said, what he means to say is frog. And they said, "Oh, frog!" Why didn't you just say that? <laughs> and uh, and right, and and uh, I said, "I don't know where he got his accent from." And he's from Oneonta, New York, like three hours from where I grew up. Right. And he said, "Oh, well, you're from upstate New York too." That's funny. And I said, and then he said, "But I'm further east." Well, he's true. He's that much closer to New York City, which does turn into some very unique accents. But frog, <laughs> they couldn't understand frog. You know, like Kermit. 
you know. Right, that's right. You could have said a hundred things. Right. You know, hoppity, hoppity. Right. You could have, it's you know, not a toad, but it's a... Quickly Google the picture of, of, of a frog. Perfect. Spelled F-R-A-W-G. Or just gone and picked the other one, picked it back up again and said, this thing. Yeah. I could have caught, actually, what I should have done, was went and caught three of them. One for each. One for each of the guys. Or sell it. Because now that... <laughs> hey, man. Hey, we can make money off this. Imagine you go to a golf course. People are, you know, they're competitive. They got edged. They start to drink a little bit. And you say, you come up with like a beer cart, but it's a frog cart. And right. you sell only one guy. Right, a frog. A frog. Just, to, just to give the other guys, you know, a, a fright. And they don't, but you can only do it once. Yeah. I don't know. Can you, can you Amazon a frog to someone? How do you, the ship, yeah, shipping, dead. shipping is a, seems like dead an, an issue. A dead one you could. For, okay. for what, for what you accomplished with your live one, you could probably do it with a dead one, right? <laughs> well, we could just sell wasps in little containers. Right. Right? They're so, in the little plastic containers that like, when you, when you squeeze them in any direction, they open. Right, exactly. Because they're so flimsy. Right. The live wasp in each one, sell it to the one golfer. That's what you do. You go frogs one day, frogs. Wasps another day, and then you change it up. It's like all the plagues in the Bible. Another day, a wolverine. The, the, lo- day, the locusts. A sna- but not just one. No, sail on locusts. Buy one, get 12. <laughs> okay. You know, that's, that's and I think 25 bucks a pop. You do outings. 100 guys. You'd make, doing the math quick, about $25,000 a day. Selling wasps. Frogs. Locusts. Frogs, uh, wolverines. The wolverines you wouldn't make any money. They're expensive. Yeah, they're probably hard to hard to breed. Well, they're post extinct. So we'd have to be careful about who found out about it. Right. Because they would. They, well, I don't know. That we'd have to kill them. But yeah. Can you ship a sedated wolverine? <laughs> now that's a good idea. That's a good idea. In fact, you are on to something. Sleepy Wolverine you, delivery. And the Wolverine is guaranteed to wake up within a half hour after unpacking. Right. Because when you unpack, uh, the powder is released. It wakes right. Wolverine up. So the guy, the guy who, um, the guy who uh, buys it, buys it for the guy that he's not particularly happy with. So when the Wolverine wakes up, it rips the guy to shreds. Right. Goes after his face and his neck. Is it is it a crime to send someone a gift, mail order? Right. It's just a present. If 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 you right. if, if you keep wrap it. So you go to the judge. <laughs> the judge says, "What you you're the judge, and you say, um, you realize, of course, that that he broke the law, and the response is, why? It's somehow illegal to send someone a sedated Wolverine. He was sedated." I mean, if you if you opened a sedated Wolverine, the first thing you'd look for is some sort of cage or something to keep it in, right? Right. And well, I don't know. At at first you might or shotgun. At first you might think, oh, it's a dead Wolverine, but then you might notice it breathing a little bit, and then you'd really need to get worried. I think. You know what you do? You go to your closet. You get your wasps, your locusts, your frogs. You set them upon the Wolverine. The wasp actually sting the Wolverine, and they're in attack mode. And the locusts bombard the wolverine and, you know, and, and swamp and, and right? right? But the frogs are the key. 
because they distract the wolverine because the uh, an anteater or a wolverine well, <laughs> wolverine sorry i flashed into an into anteater that's okay it, uh yeah we, we should talk about anteaters because that's a good way to make money well there is that sell anteaters to people who have ants in their yard because i do and if i could buy an anteater right now i would the only problem with the anteater is that they won't go away unless you also buy a wolverine and we'll chase them away because that's a natural predator well, that that's a perfect upsell for us though first you buy the first first you buy the first you first you buy the anteater and then we and then a week later we send you an email saying if you if you want to if you right oh no two days two three days later they would call us screaming the ants are all gone and it won't go away and you say oh yeah that contract that you signed it it mentioned that if at any point you want assistance in anteater removal you would you could buy a wolverine from this so yes do you right. want to buy a wolverine exactly and at that point and they would say does it come sedated or not sedated you said special you come sedated right it's special because you're a repeating customer wolverine comes eats the anteater kills the anteater everything's fine a week later we get another friend a call what do i do about this wolverine how do i get rid of this wolverine now a wolverine's natural predator is a spartan and so you have to find a spartan soldier right which you don't buy no it's you have human. to you have to go to greece it's a human think. being yeah no or east lansing uh. and uh yeah and uh no problem spartan will show up slash the wolverine Oh, we got a special delivery. Let's sedate this Wolverine. Here's my uh, fat tire from Colorado, Amber Ale. So I played golf today as well with uh, our one and only podcast guest, the Dr. Pud. Ah, and uh, well known now. Yeah, he's in in several states. He's known. Circles. Yeah, and. He beat all of us pretty pretty soundly. Oh, did he? But I played uh, I played better. Well, I had some really good shots and some really bad putts. Uh, to, to illustrate this, on two of the par fives, I was on in two. I had eagle putts. That's yeah. And over those two par fives, my average was one over par. So that means I three putt to get a par on one, and I four putt to get a bogey on the other. Oh no! <laughs> a four putt bogey. Were the, were the putts difficulty or just off? A little bit of both. Yeah. It was a mountain course and oh yeah, it was hilly. Yeah. Those are tough. Yeah. Those are real tough. Landing's tough. And, and where we played, the fairways were pretty broad, but the tree spread in the forest surrounding the fairways was so broad that what would look ordinarily like a pretty, you know, you're in the right or the left third of the fairway. Be a pretty good spot, but no. Because that one third of the fairway, either side, has got branches and trees. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the best shots today, as luck would have it, were after the first guy would hit a shot that was safe. The second guy from the same spot might try to go through the trees. Yeah, it's a totally different game when you're when you've got two balls for yeah. every for every shot. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. We did a pretty interesting thing this week. We. Uh, we went up into the mountains and rented a log cabin, you know, Airbnb, uh, 
And it's, it was a log cabin that was built in 1848. Wow. And it was... It was really kind of crazy when we first walked in because uh, none of the floors were level. It was yeah. just it was just undulating floors, yeah. and and you felt like you were drunk. You just you know stumbling around and and you know expecting. I don't know. You, we base we make so many assumptions on our uh, on our that our floors are flat. Were you drunk? Not at not at that point. No. This this log cabin had a um, had a really nice fire pit outside, and the. The Airbnb hosts were—we never saw them, but uh, they did a really good job. They had—they uh, had a bunch of firewood prepared for us, some little f- quick light fire starter sticks, and uh, material for s'mores. Ah. Your graham cracker and your and your uh, right. chocolate and your marshmallow. So they really had it set up nicely to uh, and you know in these nice long metal skewers. Huh. So we, are you are you a burner or a browner? I prefer brown but often end up burning uh, but i can however i've i've had enough burned ones to understand that people might prefer them uh crisp, crispy and oxidized and you, in that way and how many times in your life would you say you had the perfect browned marshmallow well perfect. i mean i've maybe only made like 40 s'mores in my in entire life? life yeah so uh i'm i'm not i haven't spent a lot of time around campfires Really? But I have had, uh, I've had a couple. In, out of forty, that's good. Yeah, that's good. It's a good. It, it's it's about it's about patience. If you want to, if you want to, you know, if if you're hungry or you're impatient or or you, you want to get back to doing some some other activity, then you're going to end up burning your. Well, I think back in the day we would take all the ingredients for the s'more, and put it in a contraption that had a basket at the end of it that clasped. Uh huh with a sliding piece of metal and you could actually cook the entire thing so that meant that the graham cracker was crispy the Toasty. chocolate was melted nice and the mushroom was nothing but goo yeah we we always we we kept saying mushroom instead of marshmallow too that's, that's a funny did I, did I just do that yeah but it, it's a weird hiccup in the english speaking brain that does that ah uh, ah uh. and we they also had a croquet set and so we set that up, and we taught my kids how to play croquet, which they loved, and immediately demanded that Grandpa order a croquet set for his house. So yeah, we, it's a lot of fun. It, it really is, and it yeah, it's it's fun. It takes there's some strategy involved, and also you've got you know it's the hand-eye coordination and judgment that is similar to like putting in golf, and then you've got the vengeance aspect of it, and uh, it's a lot of fun. I have a uh, croquet medal in my cabinet for winning the annual croquet tournament. Well, look at this guy. Held in um, Jackson, Michigan by a couple. 30-40 entrance. Strict rules. So it's not a world title? Uh, No, it's the Jackson, Michigan world Uh, title. World championship, okay. The world of Jackson, Michigan. The world according to Jackson. Michael Jackson? No. No. Peter Jackson. Uh, yes, he did create a world. He did. He could. He did. Yes. Many more than we know, I'm sure. Last night, we um, we were all sitting around, and uh, my father said, mm, all right, I think we should call to order the first meeting of the people that like sitting around campfires. Uh, let's all see. Let's all do a roll call. And he called out our names, and we were like, "Here, 
and my kids love this sort of uh, official club business stuff. And he said, okay, so at first, um, first order business, I think, since we don't have anything from, since this is the first meeting, we don't have any uh, old business. Uh, the first thing is, although I've started this, this meeting, I think we should elect a club president. Uh, I don't necessarily want to it doesn't have to be me. I think we should have a democratic election. Uh, so who who nominates somebody? And, and somebody nominated him, and then I nominated my daughter. And then we said, all right. So now we're gonna uh, now we're gonna vote. And both times uh, they both got two votes. And anyway, we did this a couple times, and it was a tie every time. And then, but then it came out that really both of them just wanted to be vice president. When we really wanted someone to actually be president. <laughs> so my six-year-old son said, I'll do it. And we and we voted, and, and he won. And he was all he was all happy. Uh, and that was all. That was, that was all fine. Then it was time to time to go to bed. And as we were getting ready for bed, um, he said, "Well, uh, since my presidency starts tomorrow, uh, tomorrow I'm I'm going to make a rule that I don't have to take a shower tomorrow." <laughs> Which <laughs> such a such a cute thing for a six year old to say. Imagine, right. imagine that the powers immediately gone to his head. He thought, you know what? <laughs> I can. Uh, I'm going to decree that there's no. Uh, I can. I can do stuff. Right. Say, look, Mom and Dad, there's going to be some policy changes around here. Oh, too funny. <laughs> too funny. That was pretty darn cute. Well, we, we, had a, we had a glorious day in that there was no rain. It's been very, very, very damp here. And uh, my house is now being uh, spray washed to prepare it for uh, painting. Yeah. Uh, which... Um, next three weeks and my house is made out of concrete so it's a little rough when it comes to trying to figure out how do you affix the stuff to it you can't nail it you can't easily screw it staples won't stay with it and at the end of the day tape won't even stick to it very well yeah our, and, our houses in in spain are uh, are made of i-beams and, and concrete and uh and it's it's hard to hard to drill holes in walls and things oh yeah well so my whole house is that. So I have to replicate the mixture in the application procedure because there were three places on my house where the concrete separated from the wooden house. Okay. And I now know, after weeks of research, study, interviews, just hours of contemplation and, and really good, good research. Wait, who did you interview? I interviewed a 35-year veteran of a place called Consumers Concrete who knew how to restore historic buildings and took the big chunk of my house that I brought with me that was a little bit of wood, some staples, some mesh wire, and then a big hunk of concrete that had obvious texture to it. I took it to him. So you, tore, said, you, you tore a piece off of your house and took it in there and said, hey, can you match these colors? I took a piece that I had to tear off my house because I had blisters where the house, literally the concrete separated from the wooden part of the house so that it was bulging away from the house and look like what we end up calling a blister. Ah, gotcha. You know? And so when you hit it with a hammer, chunks of it fell to the ground. So now I know why it happened, when it happened, how it happened, how they built it, how to fix it, and I have the formula for the amount of concrete to limestone to sand with stone in it down to the specific granularity of the sand, which is called huh. S, uh, what's it called? Um, God, such a good uh, N S sand. 
Oh, and NS sand, yeah. NNS sand. Right. And I, something like that, I think of it. And I looked at the veteran, Tom, I've been talking to for, you know, 20 minutes, and said, because he knew everything. I said, what's that stand for? And he said, NS. <laughs> it's not sand, sand. Yeah, but the sand had little small, tiny, teeny little pieces of rock that were black and white. And when I poured the sand, S, the SNR sand, whatever it was, in my hand, mm -hmm. and put the concrete in my other hand, I could see that he was exactly right. Wow. So when you've got a concrete house and you've got a piece of the wall that's out, it's very difficult to patch it without it looking like a patch. Right. The people who owned the house prior to me didn't care. They just used concrete. Right. No sand, no nothing. And it looks like a flat hunk of concrete mm -hmm. on the side of your stucco house. So we're going to go over the top of those parts, too. <laughs> but the piece I had in my hand, which weighed about three pounds and was about 10 inches long by six inches wide, about the size of a very large trowel, but it builds a handle for that. And then when that concrete mixture that we have replicated mm -hmm. is put against First is the pine house, then is tar paper, then is cement board, then is iron mesh, then is a concrete mixture. And when that concrete mixture is up and somewhat drying, we'll take that three pound, 10 by 12, or you know, six, eight by 12 trowel sized hunk yep. and press it up against it. Mm -hmm. So it ends up having the exact same weathered look wow. of the concrete that went for years in the sun and the wind and the rain before it was painted. Okay. These houses back in the day, and maybe they're still this way in Europe, they didn't paint. Right. They were concrete. Yeah. They were gray. There we go. That's it, my story. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> that's, that's, that's amazing. In southern Spain, they paint that, all the houses white because it reflects all the hot, hot, hot sun and keeps your house cool. That's what we're doing. So, so you're gonna have a White House, just like just like Trump. It's to be the we the best White House ever. Also, this week on our little mini vacation, we uh, we took the kids fishing for the first time. Wow! And it's been I haven't gone fishing that often, but I remember you know a little bit from from my youth, uh, and I guess maybe 15 years ago I, I did so a little bit. But uh, they had never been fishing, and nor nor had my wife uh, been fishing. But so we went to this uh, this trout farm where they stocked the, the the little pond full of these enormous trout, and you can see them all in there. You can see like a hundred big trout just swimming around in there. So you, we we went. We got our we got our rods and and we learned how to how to cast, um, or my kids did. And so anyway, you, you, you throw it out there with a, with a worm on it, and the worm is just sitting there, and you see like 100 fish just swimming all around and not caring, not giving a damn about your worm, uh, which is super frustrating. But anyway, uh, it, my kids learned, got to learn that fishing, for the most part, is what you, one might consider boring, in that you're just sitting right. there uh, when nothing, nothing is happening. If you're, you have to be in the mindset that, right. you, that you want to just be outdoors, uh, talking with your buddies or just outdoors kind of planning your own thoughts but so they were a little bit bored but then and it was it really was perfect it took about an hour but about an hour in 
they both caught huge fucking trouts. Uh, they and you know they were terrified. You know, <laughs> eyes wide, re- reeling it in, and and uh, we had a net that we could we could catch them in. And uh, one of them was five pounds, and the other was six pounds. Wow! They were just enormous. Enormous. Uh, yeah. So that was our Did you get din- pictures. That was our dinner last night. Yes, we got pictures oh, with uh, with the kid. Say so it was, uh, and they were just so tickled, pleased that they, you know, it, not so much that they had provided dinner, but that they had accomplished what they wanted to accomplish, and that it was, right. kind of, and that it was scary, and that it was, and if it had been immediately like it looked like it was going to be, because there's so many damn fish there, if it had just been throw it in there, pull a fish out, that would not have been nearly as right. uh, rewarding as sitting around bored. Uh, you know, having to cast a couple times, and so it was—it really was a, a perfect uh, yeah. first experience for them. Do you know what they feed the fish? No, no, I don't. They feed, they feed them pellets. Ah. They're uh, they're a very hard packed pellet, about three times the size of a BB, usually a cylinder. And when you go to certain uh, uh, conservation places where they have trout, you can buy pellets, and you can feed the trout. And when you throw the pellet and they swarm and the pellets are all gone so in your circumstance if you could make something look like a pellet or actually put a pellet you could literally tie a pellet onto the hook and then it would be every cast of fish because you know or you could (laughs) take a handful of pellets with your worm and just when your worm goes in the water throw the pellets the fish will swarm and one of them will get hooked on the hook and then you bring it in. That's a foul hook, however, and not allowed to be kept. In this place, you uh, you had to, you weren't allowed to throw anything back. Anything you took out of the water, you were, you were going to pay for. Yeah. Um, but it was it was uh, a lot of fun. They, uh, Who else caught fish? Just just them. And after that, oh. we and after that, with with eleven pounds of fish, we were like, okay, we're, we're yeah. you know, nobody throwing anything else in the water. But it was a it was a great experience for both of them. I was I was pleased. I look forward to the pictures. We're planning our uh, Salmon River, Syracuse, New York, Salmon River fall trip. My brothers and I do it every year. Lunkers. Yep. 20, 30-pound salmon. Uh, wow. Fish from, yeah. Uh, steelhead run five, four, five, six pounds. Uh, brown trout can run up to 10, 12 pounds, but the salmon are big. I yeah. mean, they're, they're 30 pounds and jumpers and screamers. And- See, until, until yesterday, I wouldn't have had a good idea of what a 30 pound fish is but now that i've held a six pound one i uh well so these fish are and it's unusual to get a 30 pounder but um nonetheless they're big and we've got a shot after shot after shot i mean we have fish that'll jump out of the water two feet out of the water flashing and spinning and and then land in the water and then run in the opposite direction so that the reel, your fly reel in your hand is going and just going until if you if if you know what you're doing, if you don't know what you're doing, it'll end with this snap, and then all that line, all that fly line will be all over the place. If you do know what you're doing, you adjust the drag so that that becomes and then becomes and then you have your fish swimming upstream towards you against the current. And you, with 30, 40, 60 feet of line, right. and a little tiny fly the size of, well, a fly, uh-huh. 
hooked in its mouth and its teeth somewhere and you are in neutral you are standing off fish can't go you right. try to reel in a little bit the fish will shake it said you don't want it to turn and take off again downstream because if it does you're done right so it's a, you're just in this delicate dance of uh, and, fishermen and, then, and fish and then you you show whether you're smarter than the fish by realizing that all you need to do is get this fish tired right and walk toward it step by step you don't want to say niagara falls because that's bad luck on a fishing stream but anyway <laughs> is it is that a is that a curse the three stooges curse you know this right no you don't know the three stooges i know of the three stooges i don't know the, the three stooges curse well, about Niagara Falls? Enlighten me. Well, currently, yep. anytime anybody mentioned the term or the place, Niagara Falls, yeah. he went into this bizarre little, like, trip. Yeah. A little Stooges acid trip. And he would turn and he would say, step by step, inch by inch. What? Slowly I turn. Niagara Falls. And then I can't really remember what happens. He probably... Right. And then, you know, did his funny, you know... He fell over, yeah. Whatever. All right, well... Yeah, that's the story of Niagara Falls. Why did you ask? Niagara Falls. Slowly I turn. And step by step. Inch by inch. I walked up to him and I smashed him. I hit him. I popped him. I smashed him to pieces and I knocked him down. Oh! No, take it easy, boy. Take it easy. Excuse me, kid. It's that word Niagara Falls. Every time I hear it, it tears me apart. Don't do me any good either. So you're talking about fly fishing, standing or wading in the side of a river? Or outside the river because the fish are close to the shore. Right. It's another common mistake of fly fishermen is that they think they need to climb into the water. After all, they have on waders. They need to put them to use. Right. And yet if they would just stay out of the water, they'd see the fish come in so close Hmm. that you just throw your line while you're standing on dry land. Mm -hmm. But when you walk in the water, of course, it scares them out into the middle. The middle's faster. Right. Harder to drift, harder to get the fish attracted to your fly. I see, I see. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, we have a blast. We rent a cabin. Uh, may or may not have uneven floors, but we, we have a place called the barn, mm-hmm. which is in fact an old barn. <laughs> How creative! One bathroom, four men, and my brother, who apparently has a habit of catching up on his emails and his fucking Google while he's trying to take his morning shit for about forty minutes. Right, that can be tough when there's only one bathroom. Well, you just go in the basement and you shit in a bag. Right, and right. I'll tell you what, that's the way to make money. You package that stuff up, put it in a, a smell-proof container, and send it to people so they can, in turn, give it to people they don't like. We'd make so much money, and it would be, and it would be because, you know, the saying "my shit don't stink." Well, this saying would be "our shit does stink." That's our marketing scheme, and what we do is that we, our shitters, are fed the most vulgar, smelly stuff to create the worst smelling shit in the world and that's what we pride ourselves on and that's why people are willing to pay for it. We have to we so we have to employ a no a, a pack of shitter. No. <laughs> What's no, the collective you. noun for shitters? It's you. 
You're the one who does it. Ah, uh, you said our shitters. I That's thought, you. I thought there was a team. <laughs> of, it's uh, you. It's you, and and maybe your kids. I don't know. <laughs> but but you got to eat the foul stuff, so you don't want to feed that to your kids. But yeah, we can't afford all right. somebody else to do this. So I'm the chief excre- excrement officer. Excreter. I'm the CEO. Capitan Excreter. Head of the excretion corps. Yes. Yes, this is the excretion department. How so, because people do that. People do it all the time. They take uh, paper bags full of shit. They put it on the guy they don't like on their porch. They set it on fire. They ring the doorbell. The guy comes out, says, oh, God, there's a fire. Stamps it out. Shit all over. Burnt, shit and burnt paper right. bag. What could be what could be worse? Or an iron, what could be better? Name of the company? Stinks to high heaven. Or maybe Both just the, maybe just high heaven. And let we'll let people fill in. We could also uh, be a funeral uh, home. <laughs> <laughs> we could be a funeral home? High heaven, right. Oh well that's a good idea too. You know what really probably stinks? The shit of a corpse. Zombie uh, zombie poo. Oh well now. That's a better idea, right there. Yeah. So where are most of the zombies? Uh, New York State. That's what I was going to say. Yes. New York State. So you find them, hire them. There you go. They, you, you know what you got to pay them? They don't know. They're dead. We're undead. Right. Penny a day. You know, some people we call them shit for brains, but these guys are brains for shit. Ah. You know. Uh, uh. It's like a play on words. Yes. It's like turning a, a phrase around. Turn it around. Turn it on its head. All the way around. Spin it. Spin it on its head. I have another anecdote from this week. My, so we're we're my wife and my kids are visiting my my parents' house, and my parents have a cat. And this cat likes to... It's a wonderful, wonderful cat. Uh, very docile and, and, and good, around, good around people. But, the, uh, but what it does is in the early morning, it likes to go outside and hunt as cats. That's why we domesticated cats, is so they would kill the, uh, keep the rats from eating all our grain. And so this thing, uh, very often, not every morning, but sometimes it'll, it'll bring in a, uh, a little dead baby bird or a little mole or at one time it had a not quite dead uh, bunny rabbit which oh. was which was kind of uh, kind of sad sad yeah so anyway this week it uh, I, my wife and I went out for a, for a walk uh, in the early morning and I discovered that there was a little dead mole on the on, on the front porch uh, and I said oh look we got a well, we got a present from the cat and and immediately, you know, it, it was my parents and my uh, first instinct to, to say, all right, well, let's pick this up in a piece of paper and throw it in the bushes or throw it in the trash or something, get rid of it. But my wife, who is a veterinarian, said, oh, you know what we could do? We could dissect it for the kids. And, oh. they, and, they, and they could see all the, all the little organs inside. Oh. <laughs> and my parents and I were, were looked at each other like, what, what, did, what? what did she just say? 
but no. in, so anyway, we no. went, it was. No, we don't want to do that. We were. We were. Uh, my my parents said we could not borrow. Well, we were about to go out for a walk, and we didn't want to do it right then. And but my parents wouldn't let us have uh, any sort of Tupperware to keep it in or put it in the fridge. So we we got a plastic bag and we like tucked it under a under a hedge, and. Uh, we came back from a walk, and we sort of forgot about it until the next day when there was another dead mole, which my father threw away. But then we remembered that we still had stored that old dead mole from the previous day under the hedge, and it had been it had been really hot the day before. Oh, but, but anyway, so it was green and we, bushy. No, it wasn't. We it had, it had stayed cool under the under the hedge, and she pulled it out, and goddamn it, she didn't actually dissect this little mole with some with some kids. scissors we, in front of my kids. Uh, I recorded a video of it. Right, I recorded a video of it. Just just with a with a with these little tiny uh, scissors, and she and she peeled it back. She had you know gloves on in case it was diseased or something. But she she like did a little autopsy on it and peeled everything back and 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 pulled out all the different organs and said, look, this is this is this and this is the large intestines and see how uh, it's you know connected to the anus and then it goes up and and you could follow the other smaller intestines and you get to the stomach and then the esophagus and it was. I thought it was a crazy idea, but it was really interesting to see this yeah. little tiny miniature version of all the same organs that all mammals have, right? right. Uh, and the kids went from, uh, they weren't entirely grossed out, but they, uh, they, 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 they enjoyed it and they got to, you know, they, I don't know, they learned a little bit. <laughs> well, but the, it I was, think they learned a lot. <laughs> but it was just... They learned a lot about your mother. Yeah, it's <laughs> such a... Such a crazy. That's a good idea. Uh, such a crazy thing. The other way, the other way to consider that is that what she was saying to them is, "Let me tell you what I do for a living. Let me tell you what I know. Right. And let let me tell you what I went to school for, just in case you're interested. Right. Exactly. In knowing what I do, as your crazy father just records these useless podcasts, and I bring in all the money. It was like in this tiny little mole. There were probably there was more than a foot if if you stretched out all the. Uh, Did you? Uh, it, we didn't actually try it and measure it, but, uh... You know, you know what I thought you were going to say earlier? That when you went to the bag yeah. and to the hedge, yes. and when you pulled out the mole, that what you decided to do was to do a play on words like you love to do and glue that mole to the side of your face and just walk back into the house. And if, your, and if your parents would say, what's that in your face? You'd say, oh, it's a mole. It's a mole. Should I have it removed? I, I, it's a mole. And in fact, it's a new mole. I should go to the doctor because we all know right. that if you get a new mole in this case, you go to the doctor and say, hey, check this out because it could be serious. Well, then you could go to the doctor with the mole stuck to your face. Yeah. And you could say, I don't know. I don't. It does. I feel fine. Right. But something tells me that this isn't right. Yeah. And if, and if by then it's green and dripping. Right. I'm perfect. I'm sure dermatologists uh, get a lot of that. Oh, more than we know. <laughs> more than we know. And, you know, you could blend it up and make some dipping sauce and guacamole. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Oh, God. Yeah, gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, beer's a little, my beer's a little warm in this 90-degree room I'm in. So... Uh, I'm getting a little, uh, a little foggy in the head. Foggy. What? Fro- frog? Fraggy? Foggy. Fraggy. Frog? Frog? No, foggy. Vapor, man. Clouds. Oh, fog. Uh. I thought you said frog. 
No, you mean fried? I've run into that with uh, when you're when you're trying to learn a, uh, a foreign language and you're trying to speak to the natives that you know that's their first language. It can be really hard. You have to really nail the pronunciation because you can say something that to you as a as someone that doesn't that isn't native to that language sounds just like what they're saying, but they will look at you and they'll be like, "What are the sounds you're making?" You know, yeah, a case in point down in Louisiana, the a lot of French Cajun um, names of places, and then up north some uh, Latino uh, names of places and there's one place that you know you go into a town stranger you want to know how to pronounce the name of the town so I google spell it and google it and you know google comes back and says Nacogdoches right Nacogdoches so I practice I say it out loud while I'm driving into the town Nacogdoches so one of the first conversations I have at a bartender I have a beer I say something about Nacogdoches and he starts laughing <laughs> And I said, is, am I mispronouncing it? And he says, yeah, it's Natchez. <laughs> now, Natchez. that's at least four syllables short. Nacogdoches. Nacogdoches. Now, I'm, I'm all fucked up. I don't remember what yeah. it is. But the point of it is, yeah. very, very different. But sometimes, like I'm in New Orleans, and I'll say the name of a street, and the person I'm talking to will, will, will seem like they're correcting me. But to me, it sounds like exactly what I'm saying. Exactly. So we'll go back and forth. And it, let's say, like, there's just all the streets have French, a lot of streets have French names, right. you know. And one of them was spelled C-H-A-R-T-E-S. So yeah. I figured right away, the first time I pronounced it, I said Chartres, right? <laughs> right. And uh, the guy says Charters. <laughs> exactly. And I say Charters. And he says, no, Charters. <laughs> and I said, that's what I said, Charters. No, Charters. And I never knew then. Fag. I don't know now what was the difference. But I realized that the only way to end this, and it happened everywhere with everybody. Right. It's to just say, okay. Was to say, after three times, just say, whatever. Right. <laughs> whatever, that town or that street. Well, it's like what you discussed earlier when I, when I said, when I presumed that there was a proper pronunciation for the city of New Orleans. And you said, no, people don't really care. They say every which way. But apparently there are little nooks and crannies where people get upset if you don't say it exactly. Uh, well, and, and it all depends what part of New Orleans you're from, I imagine. Right. You know? and so what is a proper pronunciation in your particular dialect of your community? You know, and if somebody comes into one community where they say New Orleans and they come in and they say New Orleans, right. the people down in New Orleans are going to say, I know what neighborhood you're from, <laughs> right, or whatever. You know, well, and that's that's the funny thing about the having places that were founded by uh, first generation immigrants, and they gave them names like you say, like um, Chartres or whatever. Uh, and then over time, people just start pronouncing it like it's uh, right. like like it like it's written. Like for example, uh, now that I know Spanish, it's really hard to say Colorado because that's the wrong sound for the A. It should be Colorado in Spanish. Uh, which means like pink, actually, uh, but it, it, it's you can't pronounce. You have to pronounce it the bizarro way that people have st started pronouncing that foreign yeah. word. Yeah, the way they've skewed it. Right, 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 right. And sometimes, especially now that we're some, like, listening to uh, our our phones navigate for us and tell us try and say the names of the roads and stuff, and it, they it can be pretty funny. Well, and it's super funny for me in Spain where in my English 
uh, Google or Siri or whoever is is trying to say the name of the road I'm about I need to go turn on, and just totally butchers it, uh, right. which is right. So there's a, there's a uh, street in Kalamazoo called Burdick, B-U-R-D-I-C-K, and my little uh, navigator calls it Burdick, like it's two words. <laughs> and what it is is like uh, when you imagine the image of a burr and a dick, uh-huh. it's not a good. No, yeah. no. You don't want the burr going in the hole of your dick. No. That would please. be bad. But nonetheless, it's burr dick, and you, all you can do is just say, no. <laughs> don't. No. Burr dick. Maybe you could, I don't know, take a route that doesn't go near Burdick Street. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's another street you could take. It's called Anal Congestion. Uh, I'm not sure that that's any better. I don't know why it's called that, but really long street sign. There must be a lot of traffic, too. Well, no. Actually, there's not anymore because it's all gummed up. Uh, it's a really shitty place to try to go. Okay. Good, to, good. To grab, you see what I did there? Because anal and then... That's where the shit is. Right. Right, which you found out. I got your you. Little, your little sexual encounter with the little froggy. The mole. Right. The mole. Yes. Well, and, and you could pull <laughs> it out. I thought it was a frog. <laughs> and you could pull out uh, when you could. When my wife uh, stretched out the intestines, you could see the little dark blobs of food that was supposed, you know, that had been, you know, processing going down it, slowly you turning just into shit. Squeeze that out like the Indian women did and turn it into a wonderful uh, meal. No. Like, like it's some sort of. Delicacy. Yeah. No, I well, didn't. It's not easy to find it. That makes it a delicacy. Yeah, I mean... Half-digested mole uh, right. food. Yeah, it's 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 pre-shit mole shit. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> so I'm about to pass out. It's, uh... It's... Seriously, I'd be surprised if it's not 90... 90 plus degrees in this room. Okay. But look, feel... Oh yeah, oh yeah, I can feel that. That's yeah. that's 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 moist. All right, well, we will talk next week, Mr. Dennis. <laughs> oh no, Dennis has collapsed. All right, we'll talk next week. So uh, have fun in that great town with those great people. I, I'll try. Oh, uh, I am so I far. Wish, I wish I were there. I wanted to be in the golf course today. It was it was nice. I would have I would have rather have handed that frog to you. I I will receive any frog you ever give me, Dennis. Right, with with open arms. One, if you get one, wait about a half hour and I'll wake up. Got it. <laughs> All right, later man. Bye. See ya. If you've enjoyed what you just heard, you can support us by telling a friend or sharing us on social media. Monthly donations to help us pay for hosting and editing can be provided at patreon.com slash happy hour. That's all one word, happy hour. All our episodes, including show notes for each episode, are available on our website, happyhour.fm. You can tweet at us at happyhour.fm. That's with a dot spelled out, happyhour.fm. Or we can receive email at the same name, happyhour.fm at gmail.com. It would also be great if you could give us a positive rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That really helps other people find us. See you next week.